The Revelations of St. Gertrude, written by herself. Continuing Chapter 5. On Gaudete Sunday, by infinite liberality having permitted me, by an excess of mercy, to approach the communion of thy adorable body and blood, thou didst infuse a desire in me when I approached it, which broke forth in these words, Lord, I am not worthy to receive the least of thy gifts, but I beseech thee, by the merits and prayers of all here present, to pierce my heart with the arrow of thy love. I soon perceived that my words had reached thy divine heart, both by an interior effusion of grace and by a remarkable prodigy which thou didst show me in the image of thy crucifixion. After I had received the sacrament of life and had retired to the place where I pray, it seemed to me that I saw a ray of light like an arrow coming forth from the wound of the right side of the crucifix, which was in an elevated place, and it continued to advance and retire for some time, sweetly attracting my cold affections. But my desire was not entirely satisfied with these things until the following Wednesday, when, after the Mass, the faithful meditated on thy adorable incarnation and annunciation, in which I joined, however imperfectly. And behold, thou camest suddenly before me, and didst imprint a wound in my heart, saying these words, May the full tide of your affections flow hither, so that all your pleasure, your hope, your joy, your grief, your fear, and every other feeling may be sustained by my love. I immediately remembered that I had heard a wound should be bathed, anointed, and bandaged. But thou didst not teach me then in what manner I should perform these things, for thou didst defer it to discover it to me by means of another person, who had accustomed the ears of her soul to discern far more exactly and delicately than I do the sweet murmurs of thy love. She advised me to reflect devoutly upon the love of thy heart when hanging on the cross, and to draw from this fountain the waters of true devotion to wash away all my offenses, to take from the unction of mercy the oil of gratitude, which the sweetness of this inestimable love has produced as a remedy for all adversities, and to use this efficacious charity and the strength of this consummate love as a ligament of justification to unite all my thoughts, words, and works indissolubly and powerfully to Thee. May all the deprivation of those things which my malice and wickedness has caused be supplied through that love whose plenitude abides in Him, who, being seated on Thy right hand, has become bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. As it is by Him through the operation of the Holy Spirit, that thou hast placed in me this noble virtue of compassion, humility, and reverence to enable me to speak to thee. It is also by him that I present to thee my complaint of the miseries I endure, which are so great in number, and which have caused me to offend thy divine goodness in so many ways by my thoughts, words, and actions, but principally by the bad use which I have made of the aforesaid graces. 
by my unfaithfulness, my negligence, and my irreverence. For if thou hast given to one so unworthy even a thread of flax as a remembrance of thee, I should have been bound to respect it more than I have done all these favors. Thou knowest, O my God, from whom nothing is hidden. So much against my inclination is that I have profited so little by thy liberality that I cannot believe they were made known to me for myself alone, since thine eternal wisdom cannot be deceived. Grant then, O giver of gifts, who hast so freely and unreservedly bestowed them on me, that whoever reads these things may be touched with tenderness and compassion for thee. And knowing that the zeal which thou hast for the salvation of souls has induced thee to leave such royal gems so long in my defiled heart, they may praise, adore, and extol thy mercy, saying with their lips and with their hearts, Praise, honor, glory, and benediction be to thee, O God the Father, from whom all things proceed, thus to supply for my deficiencies. Chapter 6 Of the intimate union of the infant Jesus with her heart. O unattainable height of surpassing excellence! O profound abyss of inscrutable wisdom! O immense extent of most desirable charity! How powerfully and exuberantly are the most delicious torrents of thy most sweet divinity pouring themselves forth on me, vile worm that I am, crawling in my negligences and sins, since it is permitted to me, even while wandering in exile, to speak according to my poor capacity of the ravishing sweetness and inconceivable delights by means of which those who unite themselves to God become one spirit with Him. Which blessedness is poured forth on me with such abundance, who am but a little dust. Since, after having permitted me to drink of this precious beverage, I am still privileged with the remembrance of it, I will use such words as I can to describe it. It was on that most sacred night in which the sweet dew of divine grace fell on all the world, and the heavens dropped sweetness, that my soul, exposed like a mystic fleece in the court of the monastery, having received in meditation this celestial rain, was prepared to assist at this divine birth, in which a virgin brought forth a son, true God and man, even as a star produces its ray. In this night, I say, my soul beheld before it suddenly a delicate child, but just born, in whom were concealed the greatest gifts of perfection. I imagined that I received this precious deposit in my bosom with the tenderest affection. As I possessed it within me, it seemed to me that all at once I was changed into the color of this divine infant, if we may, we may be permitted to call color that which cannot be compared to anything visible. Then I understood the meaning contained in those sweet and ineffable words, God will be all in all. And my soul, which was enriched by the presence of my beloved, soon knew by its transports of joy 
that it possessed the presence of its spouse. Then it received these words with exceeding avidity, which were presented as a delicious beverage to satisfy the ardor of its thirst. As I am the figure of the substance of God my Father in His divinity, so also you shall be the figure of my substance in my humanity, receiving in your deified soul the infusions of my divinity, as the air receives the brightness of the solar rays, that these rays may penetrate you so intimately as to prepare you for the closest union with me. O oh, most noble balsam of the divinity, pouring thyself out like an ocean of charity, shooting forth and budding eternally, diffusing thyself until the end of time. O oh, invincible strength of the hand of the Most High, which causes so frail a vessel, and one which should be cast away in contempt, to receive within it so precious a liquor. O evident testimony of the exuberance of divine goodness, not to withdraw from me when I wandered in the devious ways of sin, but rather to unite me to itself as far as my misery would permit. Chapter 7 The divinity is imprinted upon the soul of Gertrude as a seal upon wax. The day of the most holy purification as I was confined to bed after a severe illness, and as I was troubled in my mind about daybreak, fearing that my corporal infirmity would deprive me of the divine visit with which I had been so often consoled, on the same day the august mediatrix, the mother of God, the true mediator, consoled me by these words, As you never remember to have endured more severe corporal sufferings than those caused by your illness, Know also that you have never received from my son more noble gifts than those which will now be given to you, and for which your sufferings have prepared you. This consoled me exceedingly, and having received the food which gives life, immediately after the procession, I thought only of God and myself, and I beheld my soul under the similitude of wax softened by the fire, impressed like a seal upon the bosom of the Lord, and immediately I beheld it surrounding and partly drawn into this treasure house, where the ever-peaceful Trinity abides corporally in the plenitude of the divinity and resplendent with its glorious impression. O ardent fire of my God, which contains, produces, and imprints those living ardors which attract the humid waters of my soul and dry up the torrents of earthly delights and afterwards soften my hard self-opinionatedness which time has hardened so exceedingly. O consuming fire, which even amid ardent flames imparts sweetness and peace to the soul. In thee and in none other do we receive this grace of being reformed to the image and likeness in which we were created. O burning furnace, in which we enjoy the true vision of peace, which tries and purifies the gold of the elect, and leads the soul to seek eagerly for its highest good, even thyself, in thy eternal truth. 
This has been taken from The Revelations of St. Gertrude, Part 2 of The Life and Revelations of St. Gertrude the Great, first published in English in 1862. This work is available through TAN Books. For more information, call 1-800-437-5876 or find them on the web at www.tanbooks.com. This work is in the public domain.